Hey Trinity, joining you here from my isolation room. Welcome, welcome to it. I try to spruce it up with a couple Christmas things. If you didn't know, on Wednesday I started experiencing a few mild and weird symptoms. And so on Thursday, out of caution, I decided to get tested for COVID. Surprise, surprise, on Friday I found out that I am in fact positive. Um, thankfully, my symptoms are mild at the moment. And Shelby and the kids were also tested and tested negative. So I thank God for that. But that means that I am isolated here uh, for the next week or so um, until I am cleared. Uh, and so what I uh, so appreciate, though, is how many of you have reached out um, and offered prayer, offered to help out, uh, to be there for us. It really means the world. Um, and Shelby and I are incredibly grateful. And you can certainly be praying for Shelby. As, uh, if I have to be in here alone, that means that uh, she's in quarantine with the other three kids by herself. She's a strong, creative, fun mom. But, man, anybody, uh, that, that takes a toll after a while. So thank you for praying for her as well through all of this. But um, this whole week, I've been planning one message. But as circumstances changed, I realized that message didn't really fit the moment anymore. In the middle of the night last night, I felt like God uh, told me to focus on a different set of verses this morning. Um, and so in continuing with the theme of joy, um, we're going to be looking together at James chapter 1. And before you turn there, I'm going to really ask, you know, it, how is it that any of us can walk through a season so difficult as 2020, um, but not just survive, but actually grow? You know, I've met a lot of people in my life some, over time, that go through difficult things tend to grow cynical or jaded. Others, on the other hand, and there are many of you at Trinity like this, it's like the trials and the circumstances have only grown your faith. They've only grown your perseverance. They've only grown your character. How is it that we allow trials such as the ones we're going through right now or being in an isolation room like this, how do we allow these to grow us? Um, and not just leave us with a sense of trauma that we carry with us for the rest of our lives. Well, let's read James chapter 1 together. We're going to do this old school style. I don't have the fancy little box here in the corner um, to have the verses all in it. Um, instead, I invite you to open your own Bible or get the Bible on your phone. If you need to pause the screen for a second in order to grab your Bible, go for it. Um, but I want to read from James chapter 1. Uh, James comes after Hebrews before First and Second Peter, and if you'll turn there with me, James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We pray after me. Say, God, open my heart, open my mind, change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we dive in, I just want to give us a little context. And the first verse of this passage gives us the context that we need to understand what's going on. James was a half-brother of Jesus and was a leader of the early church in Jerusalem. You know, the church began in Jerusalem. And about... Soon after uh, Jesus ascended to heaven, 
um, persecution broke out against the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. You can read about that in Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 8. As a result of that persecution, many of the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem scattered throughout the various nations around them. Um, and even though they did not want to scatter, the result of that scatter was that the church grew because as they went about, they also shared the message, the good news of Jesus wherever they went. That Jesus came to forgive, to set free, to give new life, uh, and, and what he was the Messiah. And so as the church began to grow, grow all around um, and all the surrounding nations as well, they were all enduring, though, persecution uh, from those who did not follow Jesus. And this is persecution didn't just include uh, physical or imprisonment, but it comes with loss of job because you have to move. It comes with uh, saying goodbye to uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, saying goodbye to certain relationships as you have to move to different places. It's really a holistic, tough time that they were going through. And ironically, you know, it says that these are the people who were in dispersion. In other words, they had been scattered away from each other. Instead of being the gathered church, they were the scattered church. And the only way that they could bond together, that James could try to keep people together as a leader in the church in Jerusalem, was to write them this letter. And so who's to say the Bible isn't still relevant today, right? As we are scattered about at our, our various homes due to a virus in this case, we are joined together here now. But James is recognizing um, that he, as a leader, he wants to show the church, the people of Jesus, how to consistently walk in the way of Jesus and continue to grow. And so he says this after. He says in verse 2, Count it all joy, or pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of a variety of different kinds. Now, this is this introduces obvious tension. When he says count it, you say consider it, or you could even, this word could be translated mathematically calculate it out to be pure joy when you face trials, when you go through difficulties of various kinds. Now, that doesn't make much sense to us. What do you mean mathematically calculated out to be joy? Because if we look at a trial, it only comes with loss, not gain. Joy is something that we have because we gain something. But, but trial is something that we've lost something. I mean, we've, we've lost freedoms. We've lost plans. Some of us have lost loved ones. We've lost physical health. We've lost being able to be around our families. Like, like we, we've lost a lot. But James is setting us up to see the gain that also can come only within trials and difficult seasons. Because he's saying, when you, when you mathematically calculate it out, he says the net gain is greater than the loss. But how? What do you mean, James? How does that make any sense? He says in verse 3, he says, for you know, and this know is not the, the head kind of knowledge that you get from books, this know is the kind of knowing that you get through experience. That's what that original word means. He says, you know, just from life itself, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That as your faith is tested, 
as you meet resistance, just as a bodybuilder goes to the gym and does resistance training, as your faith meets resistance, just that produces what he calls steadfastness or perseverance, which is a word describing the inward fortitude of the heart to walk in the way of Jesus no matter what. When we say faith, we're really talking about faithfulness to the way of Jesus. So we could, we could rephrase this as saying, for you know that as your faith meets resistance training, that over time, as you are faithful to Jesus, that produces an inner resolve or perseverance that can only come about through those trials. You know, the trials themselves, only way we can gain things like perseverance, steadfastness, is by actually going through it. Shelby has a couple uh, people in her family who are big into fitness training. And both of them have said that their goal in fitness training is to see everything that their body can do. And we could reframe it to say, as they resist, as they submit themselves to resistance training, to being tested, they're seeing all that their body is made to do. The same is true when you when someone creates a new product whether it be an iPhone or something, they take an iPhone, they chuck it down the stairs, or they chuck it off, and they try to see how much can this product take before it breaks. And ultimately, God is not testing us to be cruel, but to show us all that he's made us to be. Because as we move to verse 4, he says, for the steadfastness, when it has its full effect, or as Eugene Peterson put it in the message, when steadfastness is done with its work, or this full work is complete, he says, then it would be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That the end goal for those who follow Jesus, he says, is ultimately uh, that they would be would reach the point of maturity. That the end goal for all of us is maturity. Why? Because who is the mature one? Jesus. The perfect one. Who says that the goal of it all, who prayed to the Father and says, Father, may they be one with us as we are one with them. That, 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 that we may be like Jesus, with Jesus, united, united with Jesus in, because of what he has done for us. That the, the, the trials of life would ultimately would would bring about the character of Jesus within us. And as a result of that, that we would see all that he has for us. Talk about a, a net gain. And it's something that is so hard to imagine when we're not there. But it's something that ultimately we only discover as we walk with him through it. And really maturity, it's safe to say that just because you're older, it doesn't mean that you're more mature. But the only way that we can mature is by growing older. And that's why you've seen men and women who have walked with Jesus for decades. I can think of many within our own church. I can think of those like Saki Heckman, Winnie Mercer. 
who just exemplify the sweet grace and love of Jesus. But they've also been through a lot. That's because ultimately they have been consistently faithful in one direction. Not perfect, but faithful in the way of Jesus. And that over time, they've allowed the trials and the, and the situations to, to, to create the very character of Jesus within them. And all that very much goes against our American mindset, though, because the end goal for the American is the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of pleasure, ease, and comfort. But that's why the Christ, for the follower of Jesus, our vision for our lives goes completely against the vision for the lives of most people in our culture. We understand that the end goal we have in mind is to be with, united, like Jesus. We would know him and that we would live like him and we would do what he did. That's the end goal, not pleasure or ease or comfort. And so, and if we try to measure our, our lives simply based on pleasure, ease, and comfort, well, 2020 is a wash. But, but if we realize that, man, that the trials and the difficulties can actually produce the, the character of Jesus within us, then we see that 2020 gives us an opportunity to grow. Unlike many years. So my question to all of us is what is it that Jesus is wanting to teach you this year? Before we end up this year, what is it that he hopes to form and shape within you? That is one of the big questions I'm asking myself here in this isolation room is, Lord, what is it that you're trying to teach me? And one thing he revealed to me last night um, is just how dependent I have been on my own ability to accomplish and do things versus the need that I have to learn to be still and to learn to just simply receive and trust him for things that I can't control. What is it that you feel like he's teaching you? Well, at this point, I want to bring in a few other people into the conversation. So, um, if you'll turn with me to the next screen, I'm going to welcome in a few others. Well, welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here on uh, Digital Church. Um, but we, just as I got done talking about James chapter 1, I have a few people here just to talk about their own life experiences. But before we move on, I need to introduce some folks. See, over here, we have <laughs> Ashley Anastasi, um, none other than the, Ash, the Ashley Anastasi. Down here, we have Andrea Hooper. Um, who many know well, not just for her financial prowess as our financial manager at Trinity, but also uh, just for the plethora of ways she's involved in our community. Uh, and JJ Trombley, right beneath me, who wears about 5,000 hats um, from overseeing ushers to elder at Trinity to IT to, I don't know, JJ, anything else you want to add there? That's enough. All right. Cool. <laughs> So uh, thank you guys for joining me, um, because the, the truth is, as we talk about James chapter one, you know, we talk about where to find joy in the midst of trials and difficulty and understanding that trials and difficulty, um, they can actually produce something that comfort and times of ease cannot. And that's something that goes against the American way of thinking. You know, if we're living for comfort, ease, or pleasure, 2020 is a wash. 
you know, it's not, it, it hasn't been the best year, but if we see that trials and difficulty like James one talk about, uh, have the ability to produce in us the character of Jesus, then wow, you know, there are opportunities here if we're willing to open ourselves up to see it. And so I, instead of just speaking from my own life, I wanted to hear from a few others. And the truth is we could have gone with, you know, dozens of different people from Trinity. Um, but, but each of you guys, I know personally, you've been through various mountaintops and deep, dark valleys. Um, you've had, you've gone through a lot of different experiences, very difficult experiences. Um, but you've remained faithful to Jesus in the midst of it all, which is what I deeply respect about each of you. And so, um, I just like to start by asking you guys, you know, can you share about a time, uh, a very difficult season you went through or event where initially you found it very difficult to find joy, but looking back, you see how God was at work. And uh, I want to hand it over to Andrea first. Can you take that question? Yeah, on my screen, I'm in a different spot. So I was waving in the wrong, <laughs> in the wrong time, but that's okay. Um, I would say about four years ago, um, we had some disruptions to our life, I suppose. Um, my parents ended up getting divorced and there was a whole host of things that happened during that time that caused a lot of pain um, and anger and bitterness and all sorts of things. And I remember maybe a year after it happened, someone asked me, well, aren't you grateful for all the ways that you've grown through this experience? And I was like, no, why, why would you even suggest that? But I think now being even more removed from it and actually seeing the healing that the Lord has brought, um, I am definitely, I wouldn't say I would choose this again, but there have been definite ways that I have experienced growth in my own life and in our family that would have been impossible without that. Mm-hmm. So I think the things that I, I mean, I'm a super type A person, which is not going to surprise anyone. Um, my like life has been planned out forever. And I thought things would always be a certain way. And so when they weren't, and when things were kind of shattered, it really made me realize I, I've never been in control. And even though you can think that, you know, things have gone the, the way you thought they would go until that one point when it doesn't, and you hit a big speed bump, you know, you, you really start to realize who you're putting your trust in, especially when life is chaotic you know, you can't hide behind saying, you know, well, I trust Jesus because the rubber meets the road and and it will be evident by your life, whether or not you trust Jesus in the hard times. Mm. I think I realized that even though I had the right to be angry, that didn't mean it was okay. You know, and I think bitterness and anger um, really started indwelling in me and created lots of barriers between me and Jesus that I definitely wasn't aware of. Wow. And, um, you know, it's funny how I feel like we spend most of our lives trying to avoid the things that actually Jesus wants to use to grow us. You know, not mm-hmm. that I, I think you made a great point. You don't, we don't wish pain on ourselves. We don't go chasing after pain, but looking back, we can certainly see the ways that God never wastes pain. Yeah. Um, Ashley, what about you? Um, so when I think about that, I think about, um, losing my dad about seven years ago. Um, He died tragically. Um, And if someone told me then that I would find 
any kind of joy in that situation. I mean, I don't find joy in his, in his death, but um, when I think about the situation that David and I were in with our family, um, we moved up here and then shortly after that, my dad died and both of those circumstances, I was angry and I was not looking for joy. <laughs> I wanted to be back home. I wanted to be with my family and I wanted my dad back. Um, but when I look back now, I can recognize that, like, I literally only had God to rely on. Like, no one up here knew my dad. Nobody, I mean, they cared, but no one knew him up here. No one, I couldn't, I didn't really have anyone to talk to about him. Um, I had God. Like, I had to, God forced me to um, just rely on him and find my joy in him because I wasn't finding it really living in Massachusetts yet <laughs> and I wasn't finding it and not having my dad to pick up the phone and call so I think looking back like I was forced to rely on the Lord and another joy was that I got to talk to people about Jesus that normally I wouldn't have been able to talk to Jesus about before because when people die people want to talk about Jesus <laughs> and so um, yeah it was a really hard time but um, I would say that was something that I can look back on and say, can't believe I can find some, like, I'm so fortunate to be able to see the good in a horrible situation because it's not that far after and I can see some good that's come from it. Wow. Wow. Do you, do you think, Ashley, just flying off the cuff here. Um, Great, Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that... Um, Sometimes we we won't see the joy in a situation. We won't see what God is doing after something bad happens, but it becomes a point where we just have to trust him anyway. Oh, yeah. Like many people, many wise people that were around us would tell me that very well-meaning, but I was like, I had blinders on and I was, I already was frustrated to be here in the first place and now I had yet another reason to be annoyed that I was here so there was no there was I definitely would say now that I was I wasn't even looking to try to find any joy it was just like this is bad there's nothing that's going to be come of this yeah. and yeah I was forced the Lord was like well you're not going anywhere and uh this is a situation that we're in so I was for you know I was forced to yeah. Uh, rely on him and he gave me joy. Actually, David and I got baptized three days after my dad died, which is kind of a fun, like we were saved before that, but we were baptized as adults three days after. And I remember sitting, sitting in that tub thinking like, I can't, are you crazy for doing this? Like I could totally have said, forget it. I'm not doing it. It's too hard. Um, but that was some real joy that we got to experience together in a time of tragedy. Yeah, it's interesting that joy is something that circumstances don't give us. Yeah. God gives us. And if circumstances never gave it to us, then circumstances can't take it away from us. Mm. Um, and I, and I, wow, what a real picture of joy. Ba baptism three days after. Um, JJ, how about you, man? So. For me, it'd probably be a little more than a year and a half ago when Diane was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that was really hard because right away I was scared and I was angry. And it's two things I'm not real good at doing. I hate being scared and I 
before I was a Christian, I had some pretty good anger issues. So I was looking at some things that I thought were behind me. Um, also, we've had a pretty extensive history in uh, medical medical industry, especially emergency medicine. So we were always the ones that showed up and made everything better. And all of a sudden, you know, it was happening to us. And that was very disarming. Um, but the way we approached it, uh, you know, she more than me, you know, she's the real hero out of this whole story. But we knew that God was in control. We knew that whatever happened, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, um, we were going to be okay. And then right after that, we just had such a peace that, you know, we got a word a little bit into it that she was going to be just fine. And her recovery and surgeries and everything were absolutely amazing. I mean, you know, even other people that have gone through it have been like, you know, you didn't have this, you didn't have to do this. It's just been an absolute miracle. So it was, it was easy to look back and say, you know, you shouldn't fear, you know, the Bible tells you fear not, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And it's always easier to read than it is to do. And it was, it was nice to know that, that God can be there for you during those times. Yeah. JJ, what, and again, I apologize. I like to fly off the cuff occasionally. No <laughs> question. Um, what do you think the difference between the joy that James talks about and just being positive is, you know, um, and if, if JJ, if you want to think about it or somebody else wants to answer that question, that's fine too. But, you know, we talk about just be positive, right? You know, uh, always look for the bright side on things versus count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. What's, what's the difference? It's a, for me, it's a whole different level because I'm a pretty positive person. You know, face what I do is plan my way around obstacles. So if A happens, we have a way to go do B, and you put a smile on your face and off you go. But you know, when you are walking in the right path, the path that that God puts you on, that Jesus points you to, you know that that joy isn't even comparable. You know, the smile on your face can be contrived sometimes but when you at least what i've seen people that have the true joy of the lord you can almost feel it coming off them like a vibration mm. and i get that feeling when i when i know i'm in the right spot mm. that's that's good stuff and i find it interesting too that verse says count it all joy my brothers and sisters you know james is talking to those who have a relationship with jesus um and and that that connection to walking with Jesus um, creates something that's eternally grounded um, versus a, a, a temporary positivity or happiness that really is just trying to look for the best in circumstances, right? Mm. Um, so I'm curious from you guys too, um, you know, it, we, we don't have a ton more time here, but um, as you look at 2020 and all of its glory, um, <laughs> what what do you see as one or two things that God has been teaching you during this year? Uh, like what, if, we, if James one is correct, <laughs> that, that ultimately these trials can produce in us a steadfastness and steadfastness uh, must finish its work within us to make us like Jesus. How do you see 2020 God using 2020 to do that kind of work? within you in, in one or two areas. And I, I'd be curious to start with Ashley on this one. Awesome. Um, 
so it's interesting that you asked that question because my answer is super recent. Um, and it's probably going to sound super cheesy because it's about David, but um, it's real and it happened recently. So I walk every day with one of my best friends. We walk in the morning and we talk about all kinds of things. Um, and one of them is like what God has been teaching us, what God has been teaching us, what he's been showing us, how we're growing. And she's usually like super clear and like, this is what God taught me this week. And then, oh, and then last week he taught me this. And I try to be joyful for her and that she can hear so clearly. But I was so frustrated because I feel like I didn't have like a clear answer of what God was teaching me. And I was getting frustrated and I kept saying to David, like, I just don't know. Like, I don't really feel like I know what God is trying to teach me in this because, and so then he preached last week and he said, and I wrote it down because I was like overwhelmed. He was talking about the announcement to Mary, but he said the confusion of her emotions and wonder of her mind overcome by the submission and worship of her heart. And I don't hear, like I hear from God, um, like audibly. Um, and he, I feel like he told me, I wanted your husband to be the one to teach you this. And I was like, seriously, but he took nine months. Like it's been nine months. I've been asking you what you're trying to teach me in this. And it just like, I was over, I was like overcome by that. And just God teaching me like what God wants me to know is that even though I do not understand, obviously it's very different than the Virgin Mary, but um, the things that I don't know, the answers that I want, but don't have, like, uh, they, like, God knows he's in control and I need to submit and worship him all the time. Mm. And it just has been like, it's been such a joy, like, not to be super, like, not to use that word to be funny, but that, like, my husband showed it to me. God, he listened to God. He was obedient to God. And, um, I heard that and received it. And I knew that it was God speaking through David. Um, so yeah, that's what he's, that's what I feel like he's been trying to teach me. And it took me a long time to find it, but, um, yeah, my, it's similar because my circumstances aren't, they're not awesome, just like everyone else's. And there's lots of stuff going on, but, um, that's not what I'm supposed to focus on all the things I don't know. So, yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, that that same line stood out to me big time last weekend too. Yeah. Andrea, what about you? And I think, um, honestly, I think I could go back four years to when my life blew up too, you know, and like learning the same lesson. So I'm not sure that means I'm doing a very good job learning it. But um, I think working through forgiveness really teaches you humility, you know, because I think it's easy to be prideful in, in life, period for lots of people, but for me, especially. And I think, um, when you have to either realize you're wrong about something or that you don't have all the answers, you know, the fact that you, uh, are not the end all be all really teaches me humility. And I think, especially in this season, I have continued to learn that, you know, we have differences of opinion with people that we love or that we know, or the rest of the world, you know, knowing like, this is what I personally believe, but that doesn't mean I'm right. Or that doesn't mean I have all the answers. And I think this has been a trying season with both Corona and the election, knowing that even if we disagree, that doesn't mean I'm right, has been a challenge for me in this season. I think humility has been big. 
And honestly, I think I've learned that lots of ways, you know, certainly the Holy Spirit pointing that out at different times, like, you know, those still small whispers of why do you think you're always right? Or is that helpful to even say, or, you know, things like that when, when all these things bubble up inside me, I feel like I'm going to burst for sure. But I think um, also he uses other people to point that out sometimes too, you know, and like our small group leader, you know, I remember years ago saying like for unforgiveness keeps you from, from Jesus. And that creates a separation in your life from Jesus. And even when you don't want to hear the things from other people, like sometimes they are based in truth and that's hard to accept, but definitely humility. And I think even in that, when people are correcting you in grace and love, even being humble enough to receive that and not feeling super prideful and like they don't know what they're talking about. You know, and I find it interesting that both you, Ashley and Andrea describe the things that you're learning, you learned in community. You learn relationships with other people, whether it be your husband or walking with your best friend or your small group leader or these sorts of things, thus hitting on how important it is that we consistently open our hearts up, not just, not just uh, hang out, but actually open our hearts up with one another. Um, There's so much that God unpacks for us in those relationships. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you definitely like in order to know if the things people are saying are true or based in the Bible, like you have to have that personal relationship with Jesus where you are reading your Bible because that's how he speaks, you know, and if you don't know your Bible, you don't know what he's saying. But I think being in community, you know, that is definitely huge. Yeah, true that. JJ, what about you, man? What what do you feel like God's teaching you? Uh, 2020 was all about control. So (laughs) it was you know, when, as it was coming up and it became evident that things were going to shut down and things were going to get very weird and had potential to get even weirder, you know, I went through all my steps, my business, you know, church, my life, my family, you know, do we got to do this? We got to prepare for this week. It was just a whole like giant multi-level chess game. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I was doing my thing and then I was just getting run down, tired, absolutely just a mess until I realized and God told me that, you know, he's got this, he's in control. And the way the song talks about it, you know, the more I took my hands off of things, you know, the more they flourished. You know, I don't, it's not matter of bragging, but my business has been wildly, wildly successful in 2020. And wow. there's no reason for it. It's, it's craziness. But I hired three employees while people were laying people off by, you know, increased customers it was just it was nuts and it was truly the more i let go not to sound cliche the more i let go the better it went wow well we're cliches uh, get started for a reason right yep. <laughs> they have to root in reality all the time um so that's amazing that's amazing i, I would certainly say the same is true for me jj saying that's a big lesson for me this year mm-hmm. well guys we're out of time Um, But I so appreciate your time and thank you for spending uh, a little of your day with me, with our church, sharing some of these things. Um, I I feel like I should start now saying they can, you can find these people on Instagram. You can find (laughs) No, but you can find them at Trinity. They're walking around. (laughs) Uh, Ask them any questions, but uh, I so love you guys. I appreciate you. uh, And I, I love to see how God's growing your lives. 
Um, and I know our church is great 